Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Gonna be a busy week this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. We'll talk with Jake Levant about a new social networking chatting product called Fring. We'll hear from Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine, Jim Galbraith from Macworld, and Avram Pilch from Laptop Magazine. We'll talk about the new Amazon Kindle Fire, about what Apple might be up to at their next media event, and lots more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We're talking to Jake Levant of Fring. And Fring, to me, sounds like, of course, a telephone that goes ring. And is that sort of connection make sense? What is Fring all about? Gene, that's exactly what it's about. It's actually about the morphing of freedom and ring. The phone and the smartphone, for many years, has been anything but a smartphone. It's been a music player. It's been a video game player. But the phone aspect is actually pretty dumb. We haven't done anything smart about our smartphones in a long time. So we're actually bringing a lot of freedom and new experiences to the smartphone with our application. You put that on your smartphone, and you get a whole bunch of new experiences for you. For example, the most basic of the text and talk is completely free. We use IP or internet so that you can communicate freely. But the most exciting thing is actually doing new experiences. It's about having video and being able to add video to your, so actually video chat, video calling. This is the new way that you can communicate from mobile phone. When it comes to messages, texting on phones, the mobile phone industry, especially here in the United States, I don't know how it is overseas, and I know you're in Israel, I don't know how it is over there, but here it's a big source of profits. It really costs them next to nothing to deliver the ability to send text over the network. But what they do in exchange is they charge you an arm, a leg, and a foot for that service, so you're delivering it free as part of your app of our app is really in the video innovations. The reason why we're able to offer all these services for free is because we don't use the carrier's traditional telephone wires. What we do do is we do everything via internet. So just as you imagine when you are surfing the internet at home, you don't have a clock going that's ticking away. We use your phone's internet connection and we don't just send text bits or audio bits, but more interesting is we actually send video, live streaming video of you and your friends goes back and forth. And this is all done free. So what it requires is you on a smartphone, and you know, that's an iPad, an iPhone, or even an iPod Touch, something with an internet connectivity, and your friend can be on one of those devices or on Android or even on a Nokia device. And you can communicate absolutely free because we use the internet connectivity as opposed to your traditional carrier's connectivity. What's exciting about this is not only the cost component, because there's lots of ways to save money. Not speaking is one, or running home to a your PC to make that call, or there's lots of fancy ways to do it. But what's interesting here is about you can do everything mobile, but not just the same things mobile, you can do new things mobile. And really, you see a whole new world of being able to communicate in different ways. So rather than just having less restrictive plans, so we don't have to think about weekends or evenings, or just friends and family plans. I remember the days that you only called after six or after eight. Now international calls are free. But forget international calls. Actually being able to see what's going on with your friends and family, wherever they may be. 
An example is rather than just calling to, to see how the day was from work, you can actually be part of the day. So if the kids are at a park, why don't they share that experience from the park? Because they've got the mobile phone, and you pick up your mobile phone, and heart, there it is. There's that person live there, and you can see your kids in this thing. A different way of communicating. It's not a communicating because you have to. It's not even communicating because it's cheap to. It's communicating because it's fun to. There obviously are current video chatting methods, and we're talking about on your iPhone and iPad, Apple has FaceTime, which is also available on Mac desktops. How do you differ from FaceTime? Well, FaceTime, for example, is only on in the Apple environment, and it's very restricted to certain devices and certain connectivity. What that means is you've got to have the latest of the latest iPhone or Apple tech hardware. That's where they make the money. But in terms of the use case, you have to be connected to a Wi-Fi environment, which means that you're typically either at home or the office or in a coffee shop. But the whole notion of mobile is that you want to be mobile and not set into in one of these places where you probably have a PC anyways. So this is a core differentiation. One is the fact that you can do it anywhere. That means whenever the mood moves you, you can speak and you can show and you can talk and you can video chat from there. That's one. The second is with whom you can do it. I don't segregate my friends based on do they have the coolest new iPhone or Apple gadget. I have friends on Android, on Nokia, even not on smartphones. There are people like that. So we break open the opportunity to talk to more people. And then lastly, is something that is really interesting versus FaceTime and versus Skype is that we don't do we enable one-to-one video communication. We actually allow you to mix it up and bring up to four friends together on your smartphone so you can do a video call with many people, which creates a completely different experience. So you can actually have a get-together without getting together. You can be across the world on a ski slope, one person would be, the other person stuck in his office, and you can all be chatting away and video chatting away simultaneously. And that's, of course, the service is completely free. To clarify here, what you're doing here is you're using your data connection on your smartphone or your tablet. You're not using the cellular minutes. Correct. It's absolutely free. If you have a uh, Wi-Fi, it's completely free. If you have a data plan, well, it does use data. So just as as you're surfing the Internet or watching a YouTube video, it does use data. So it will be part and parcel of that usage. But free doesn't take any money for the service because it's just Internet bits and bytes that travel through the world. This is not something that uses a large amount of bandwidth, does it? Well, it's no different than watching any movie. If you use voice, it's very light. If you you send chat messages back and forth, it's very like these are actually rounding errors. So no, once you start doing aggressive video calling, well, it's about the same as you know watching any streaming video. And there's many applications that I was talking about. You know, if you're doing a video game or if you're watching a YouTube video, then it's in the same league in terms of data consumption as that. But generally, we see very large packages, and cost is not a uh, constraint here. The fact that people don't know about it and they didn't realize that the device in their pocket can do those tricks is what we're seeing is what's so enlightening. So the more people know about it, they're saying, wow, I've heard about that on the PC or I've tried it on the PC, but I can do this for free right now for my pocket. Okay, so the app is free right now, right? Yeah. Okay, so the app is free, the service is free, so of course we're going to ask the logical question, how do you guys make a buck? You deserve to make a buck for all your work. How do you make money? Well, thank you very much. You know, we have a great team here, and we're driven by creating remarkable experiences, but that doesn't put food on the table. But we do offer a service that uses the same technology, but is a fee service, and this is the only thing that's charged for in the app. 
if you want to call someone who's outside of the network on a regular phone line and they don't have a they don't have a Fring ID, then we charge money for that call. And that's a premium service. So you can come in and use the free service as much as you wish. But if you, for example, want to call your uncle in Mexico and he's on a regular phone, well, there's no chance that we can connect that call solely through internet. So we need to make a call on that. But rather than paying your operator a dollar a minute for that call, some exorbitant rate there, we do most of that using the internet. And we just connected the last bit doing traditional telephony. So we're able to offer that at a fraction of the cost. And a lot of people think about, you know, wow, Skype from my PC is a great cost saver. On average, we're 80% cheaper than Skype. And because we're using internet, so it's internet to deliver the call. So we deliver those calls, international calls primarily is the use case for very reasonable rates. And within that, because we're doing everything over, over IP, internet protocol, there's still margin for us. And that's how we make our living. Would you clarify for me here, you're available for smartphones, mobile devices, tablets. You're available for the Mac? And Windows? No, we are a mobile-centric company. We are only mobile, which means that wherever you are, that uh, the thing in your pocket is relevant. It's not limited to whether you're at your desk. So we do not have a PC or a Mac version. Okay, this is obviously the beginning of a further discussion that we want to have. And our guest this week is Jake Levant, and the product is called Fring. And it's a fascinating product for text, voice, and video messages. We've got more coming on the Tech Night Out Live. SellYourMac.com purchases used Apple computers, iPhones, iPads, and iPods through a safe, no-hassle transaction. They're a BBB-accredited business with an A-plus rating. You can rest assured you'll get paid for your expensive devices. They're in this business because they love Apple products. They want you to have the latest and greatest Apple gear available. Selling your used Mac, iPhone, or iPad will greatly reduce the cost of a new purchase. Get a free quote now from SellYourMac.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. 
Jason Lewis here. We talk daily about all the crazy stuff happening around the world. Concerns with the economy, job loss, and natural disasters, just to name a few. Let me ask you, what are you doing to be prepared? How will you provide for your family in an emergency? Well, for my preparation, I recommend WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious, ready-made, freeze-dry meals that carry a 25-year shelf life, and you prepare them in minutes by simply adding water. Wise Food Storage entrees are packaged in individual metal mylar pouches, then stored in convenient grab-and-go plastic containers for freshness and easy transport. Go to wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample. And for a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get free shipping on any order. Call 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-366-3947 or visit wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com, gourmet emergency food at the best price. Still ready to save? Then you're ready for the fall super sale at HerbalHealer.com. HerbalHealer.com has been the leader in quality natural supplements since 1988. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of incredible fall savings on all sale products running through October 18th. HerbalHealer.com is proud to offer eFoods Global Products, premium storable foods that are delicious, contain no MSG, no trans fats, no GMO, and have a 25-year shelf life. All you do is just add water. To learn more, click the eFoods link on HerbalHealer.com and you can try eFood storable meals for free. And don't forget to click the specials link for even more savings at HerbalHealer.com. Be sure to sign up for our free newsletter. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Hurry, sale ends October 18th. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We return with Jake Levant of Fring. It's an application that is available for smartphones, not just iOS devices, but Android devices, Nokia devices. So you have a wide range of compatibility, and it gives you messages, voice, and video. So anyone else is using this. So, for example, let me create a hypothetical situation here. My son lives in Spain. He's got a Nokia smartphone. So in theory, then, he could download and install this app and call me on my iPhone. Not in theory, in practice. And millions of people do. We add a million new users a month. A million new users a month are thirsting to talk differently. And not talk differently, but be seen and be seen. I'll just give you a parallel universe. If you imagine what entertainment was before video, we all used to sit around the radio, not me, but my parents and their parents used to sit around the radio listening. And that was entertainment. Well, that's what communication is like. We are stuck in a text and audio world. But now, using the Internet, we can blow that open. So we have just seen the dawn of the video entering into the communication sphere. So that instance is perfect. And why should it be that that 
you have to set a time and run to a PC in order to have that experience with your son in Spain. Why can't you pick up some instance and say, you know, this is a club I'm at or a cafe I'm at and share that moment live with you now? And so, for example, there was a situation here where my son went on a vacation. He lives in Spain. He went on a vacation with some friends to Canary Islands. And he took some beautiful photographs that we got to see later. But with your product, he could have called us then and there, and we could have sat there on my wife's iPad, and we could have seen exactly what he was seeing. Absolutely. I tell you, that's the most dreamy. And the uses that we've uncovered, we have so many people writing to us about that type of experience where they're sharing a vacation moment with people who are not there. I use it for the mundane when my wife sends me shopping for diapers and I'm stuck in the store. I have no idea this one or this one. And rather than being sent back to the store with the wrong one, I flip on my phone, I call her, and I point A or B. There, it ranges from the whole spectrum. I'll tell you another phenomenon. Something that I wasn't attuned to, but the minute we launched this service, we started hearing a lot from deaf people that this was helping them communicate with one another. I never thought about that. How can someone use the phone who can't hear? Well, obviously, video is a core component, and it opens a new area for them of communication. Remarkable. But that isn't the mainstream. I have to say that when a million users join each and every month, they're thirsting to share more. And that means that we're moving away from an attitude of communicate because I have to, communicate limited because it's included in my plan, or communicate only with the person in my country. The fact is, there's no impediment for me to call my friends who are abroad now and forget just hearing them or texting them. I don't have to keep an eye on the, the meter. I can talk as much as I want, and I can show and share as much as I want. And this leads to a different way of using your phone. This is now smartphone, and now when we've just added these rich dimensions, you start using your phone in different ways. And you start saying, I'm not going to conserve or be frugal with my communication. You start being more engaging and you talk more and you start realizing that you reconnect. I had an instance where I have a friend, he's one of my best friends. I haven't seen him forever. He had his car in the car phone holder. He had a video chat going on and I didn't understand. He was driving around Seattle and I didn't understand that he had a new car, that he moved offices. I have not been to visit him in Seattle, but I was seeing this insight into his life that I would otherwise never know about. It didn't make the conversation. It wasn't something we emailed about. It was happenstance because we opened this new area for sharing. It was just remarkable. I can see a lot of movement here and a lot of directions you can take this product. And obviously, people are going to look it over and evaluate it in connection with the current products to see what they want to use. Let me ask you a little bit about the way it's set up. Now, with Skype, for example, you're basically using the bandwidth of the computer that hosts the connection. Now, in your case, is it shared bandwidth? How's it work? Okay. I have to admit where I know my boundaries. I am not a very technical person, but we do a combination of two things. One is where possible, we have a peer-to-peer uh, connectivity. That allows for the highest level of quality and the least interference. When we offer services that involve many people, for example, our group video calling, then we also have servers involved and we, we it's a combination of the phone to the server and each of the phones themselves. And so the bandwidth, realistically, as I, I said, is minimalized. And this is our expertise, is really understanding the capabilities of the device. By living and breathing the mobile environment, we understand about the CPUs of the various hardware. We understand about the battery 
battery life, the screen size, and these are all important when we design a system. We're not porting a PC-based technology system into a mobile environment. It doesn't work. Everything we've done is from a mobile point of view, and it's designed specifically for the mobile environment, understanding the network capacities, the phone capacity, the battery, and, and so on and so forth. I obviously have the devil's advocate question here. Does it make sense, even though lots of people are using it, to have a version for the Mac and Windows for people who are bound to their computers and still want to use this feature? probably does make sense to give more options to more people. I think that the rightful place for communication is from a phone. The fact that we have been habituated and trained to speak into a 10-inch or 20-inch monitor is, you know, maybe a mistake. The fact that a lot of people do it, I would like to service them as well. I don't think it's the natural place to talk, but it just happens to be that people have grown accustomed to doing it. I don't think it's the right place. I'm looking out at our company. We're young, we're dynamic, and there's so many choices. Even in the mobile environment by, by itself, there's many new uh, operating systems and platforms that different manufacturers are pushing. And so even to remain available and innovative for the mobile clientele, which is you know, fast-growing and surpassing computers, is a, is a lot of work. So it's certainly on our wish list. And I think that the, the greatest value we have to add is to keep on innovating in the mobile sphere. We would like to continue to bring value in other areas, but I think that the trends show that mobile phones and, and, and are getting smarter, and we've shown our traction that we can add value to users and they they flock to us and our service there. If only we could go into every area, onto the TV and onto the computer, certainly we're in the right area, and I think that we're in the natural area for communication. But fair question. If I had all the resources in the world, it would certainly allocate more there. Okay, tell our listeners in the next few seconds exactly how they can get a copy of Fring for their smartphone or tablet. Fring is available free. You can come to our site, fring.com, and we'll direct you according to the handset, or you can go directly to the App Store, the Android Market, or to the OV Store. Um, and it's free. Go download, enjoy, and bring your friends because it's more fun to video call with more of these friends. Once again, give that address so they can find the information. Go to www.fring.com. And, of course, if you're a user of the iPhone or iPad, you'll find it in the App Store. Thank you so much, Jake Levant of Fring, for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. That's a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Gene. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now 
Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for quick action. Listen to what the revolutionary MDS Forte can do for you. MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs and helps weight loss is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. Waiting for the side effects disclaimers? With MDS Forte, there are none. Order a 25-day treatment of MDS Forte at bestbloodsupport.com or call 213-405-5355. Call 213-405-5355 or go to bestbloodsupport.com. That's bestbloodsupport.com for MDS Forte, a diabetes breakthrough. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Dan Morin from Macworld Magazine, we're going to cover an event that doesn't relate to Apple except in terms of the possible competition. We have something called the Kindle Fire that's being announced by Amazon this week. Now, is this something that everybody was widely expecting? I think the idea of Amazon doing a tablet has been around for a while now. I was looking back and found references to it at least as far back as May. 
obviously they've been putting out the Kindle for many years, uh, and in some ways it's a natural progression. I, I think the, the Kindle for Amazon is sort of analogous to the iPod for Apple, right? They were both devices that started with more or less a single purpose, books, music. Um, and I think we're definitely seeing devices now, you know, focus on devices that do multiple things. You know, the iPhone does everything. And uh, the Kindle Fire doesn't quite do everything, but it has definitely expanded beyond just books to videos and music and, and that kind of stuff. Okay, doing a comparison with the iPad, which is the inevitable comparison. Sure. The Amazon Kindle, what do we know about it, this new Fire model? So it's not positioning against the iPad. I think they've been very cagey about that, Amazon. Um, And I think probably for good reason. This seems like a device that competes more against things like uh, Barnes & Noble's Nook, for example. It's not quite, uh, you know, as full-featured as the iPad is. Someone mentioned there's no camera, for example. Um, But there are, you know, a lot of the features, obviously, that the Kindles don't do. There's email. There's a web browser um, you know, and so I think it's not quite necessarily going head to head with the iPad, but at the same time, it's also you know half the price of an iPad. So I think there's kind of a niche in there. I think it comes somewhere in between. You know, people who are looking like oh, you know, and I, I want something a little bigger than an iPod Touch um, that does you know more than a Kindle, but maybe I don't want to spend five hundred dollars on an iPad. That's that's a little pricey for me, um, and it, it might hit that sweet spot. I mean, two hundred dollars is quite a price point for something that does uh, you know as much as an iPod Touch, if not uh, you know a little bit more in some areas. Okay, so we look at the Kindle Fire has a 7-inch screen. Now, Steve Jobs has already said, that's bad. 7-inch screen, forget about it. This is a poor size. And obviously, the previous 7-inch products, such as the Galaxy Tabs, the original ones, and the BlackBerry (laughs) Playbook were 7 inches. They didn't go so well. So why would this go well? Well, I mean, seven inches is, you know, superficially, that's, that's definitely, uh, uh, it's, a definite, it's a different screen size than either the iPad or the iPhone, right? And one, as you're saying, the previous models haven't done really well. But, I mean, I, I don't necessarily chalk up the failures of those devices to the sizes of their, of their displays. I really think that it has more to do with what's behind the technology itself. And in the case of Amazon, you know, Amazon has a lot of advantages that those other platforms don't necessarily in terms of being able to have this immense um, content backing. Uh, you know, they've got their own retail outlet. They've got their own, you know, they distribute books and movies and music and TV shows. And um, they offer this Amazon Prime service, which kind of ties in with the Kindle, where you pay a subscription fee for a year and you get access to like a streaming library a la Netflix. Um, so there's a lot of additional stuff that Amazon has built up as an infrastructure that I think uh, makes it more compelling as an argument than a lot of those previous tablets. Now, one um, and- thing I just read, maybe you have seen this, it's a note from Gene Munster, the analyst at Piper Jaffray, and he suggests that Amazon is losing $50 on every fire sold. And the key, of course, is that they get you to sign up for other services. Obviously, with the Kindle, they want you to buy books. They want you to buy Amazon's video streaming service. They want you to buy other Amazon products. So the Fire 
is a loss leader. Yeah, and I think people have suggested that might be true with the Kindle as well. I think there's probably, you know, Amazon has an ecosystem, much like Apple does, right? You know, I think this is a really interesting model, though, because whereas we've definitely seen the idea of subsidies coming from carriers, so, you know, you buy your, your iPhone for 200 bucks, but, you know, it's really a $500 device that, that the carrier is subsidizing several hundred dollars of which because they get that money back through your service fees, through your subscription. And uh, so, sure, but they do. But isn't that fairly similar to what printing companies do? I don't know how much money they make on the printer, but they sure as heck make a lot of money on the sale of consumables. I mean, when right. you buy a printer for $50, are they making a profit? No, but I mean, when you buy ink. Right? Okay, same <laughs> difference. Right, and so same. I, no, I think this is really interesting, though, because you know you look at Kindles, and especially in the cases where uh, on the lower models of Kindles that that Amazon introduced, what you'll notice, and what they didn't necessarily mention, I think, in the presentation, is that the the price points at which they specified that seventy nine dollar Kindle and the ninety nine dollar Kindle Touch, those are for their Kindle with special offers, which is their basically their advertising subsidized Kindle, and so Amazon's adapted adopted a model of you know, subsidizing based on advertising instead of subsidizing based on carriers. and of They're course, using the Google trick. Right. And, of course, that does play in very well because a lot of their deals are things like cheaper Kindle books or something. And so, you know, not only are they getting the advertising to cut things down, but they're also able to drive people in volume to their own services, which makes up the money that they're losing if on, you know, the hardware. So it's, it's a very interesting model, and it's one that is definitely kind of flies in the face of the stuff that Apple's doing. Fast question, just to clarify. Does the Kindle Fire have advertising? I don't believe so. I was trying okay. to find that out just now. I believe the lower versions do, but I don't think that the Kindle Fire does. That one, I think they're they're probably, as you say, are more interested. That one comes with the free 30 days, I believe, of the Amazon Prime subscription service. So clearly that's ah, an attempt to, to okay. pull you into so that. Okay, so of course they expect you to subscribe to these services, and that's where they make their money. Right, so you get that free 30 days, okay. and you think, hey, this is pretty good. I'll pay the 80 bucks a year or whatever to, to keep it going. Like I buy a new car. I get three months or a year of XM Sirius yep. satellite radio. At the end of that period, I have the option to right. or, re-up uh, or just give it up. And, of course, once you get into satellite radio and it's really inexpensive, yep. it's hard to give up. My dad had that same problem. He did sure. the same exact thing. But I, and, and, and Apple kind of – well, not Apple specifically, but the carriers for things like the iPad 3G data plan where it's month to month, I think a lot of people tend to do the same thing. They pay that $25 or whatever for the 3G on their iPad. And instead of canceling it every month when it comes up, they just be like, oh, yeah, well, I might need it at some point. I'll just hold on to it. And it's you know basically free money for the carriers. Right. They're hoping that you will. And this is the same philosophy with all these 30-day deals. But obviously, Apple sells your retail product. You buy your iPad. You can download always free apps if you want to get apps. You never have to pay an additional dime on your iPad unless you get the 3G version and you up for the data plan. Yeah, so there's there's a, an interesting contrast here between what Amazon's doing and what Apple's doing and I think it's a it's a good question of how that's going to pay out. It's funny I look at I'm sort of flipping through the Amazon Fire's page right now and it's funny that they show like the menu bar at the top of the Kindle and I think that looks a lot like the iPad's menu bar. There's a little Wi-Fi icon, there's a battery icon, there's a clock. 
Sure looks familiar. Okay, so therefore it's using the Android OS, right? Yeah, um, it's okay. a heavily modified, you know, okay. their interface. They've built their own, and it does. It, it's reminiscent. It's, it's interesting because it's kind of a melding of. There's a little bit of Android in there. There's a little bit of iPad. There's a little bit of sort of Amazon's other services and software. So I think they're trying to do something that is. I think they want to be differentiated from from Android tablets, especially because the Android tablets haven't done terribly well. But they also, you know, they want to have their distinctive Amazon feel to it. So basically it's just a cheaper way of developing an operating system. You take one that already exists, has the basic underlying structure you need, and you just stick a new theme on it with some extra features to make it look unique. Yeah, I think they've probably spent some time, you know, making sure that it's a good interface too, but it will be, you know, we'll have to see when it actually comes out whether or not that that it delivers on that because clearly Amazon, you know, they're, they definitely spend a lot of time worrying about user interface when it comes to, say, the web. Um, you know, that's clearly some place where they have spent, a, you know, they deliver a big product on the web, right? That's the main portal to Amazon. Sure, it's uh, like developing a web-based application, but when it comes to developing a rather sophisticated device interface. It may we be don't know if they can do it yet. We yeah, because the Kindle has been very simple to date. Sure, I understand. By the way, we're talking to Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine, focusing to begin with on the Amazon Kindle Fire. Is this a real iPad killer? More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com You know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. 
Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits. Magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches. First aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bale, and a huge molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. Energy, energy, and more energy. We all need it. Get the energy you need quick through the powers of wild forest extracts. Wild Chagan Birch Bark are the secrets of the forest used exclusively by Russian athletes. Wild Chaga is the world's top source of superoxide dismutase, the critical enzyme that blocks the aging process. Chaga is good for your heart and even helps support healthy arteries. Wild Birch Extract is the top source of betulin, a natural sterile needed by every cell of the body. And healthy cells mean a healthy body and a more powerful you. No wonder it's known as a king of all herbs. Experience real energy and power like you've never dreamed possible. Take Chago Charge Tea with Wild Birch Bark every day and Chaga Max capsules to get the energy you need. You deserve it. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. That's 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have one of the only, Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. We are focusing, first of all, on the Amazon Kindle Fire. They introduced several this week, but this is the one that may be the potential, or has the potential, of being a possible iPad killer. What do you think? You know, I, I certainly don't like the idea that, you know, I, I don't think iPad killer is a good way of approaching it necessarily. This is a big market, and right now, you know, Apple certainly has an enormous lead. They've been the first to market. They've already revved their tablet once, um, and we haven't seen a lot of valid competitors. But as I was saying earlier, I think the same issue is that it's, it's not necessarily an iPad killer. I think there's certainly room for both of these products in the marketplace in the same way that there was room for the iPad and the Kindle before, even though both could be used as e-readers. It was only a matter of time, really, before Amazon started building more you know, capabilities into their e-reader because I think they want to expand and, and give people a chance to buy things. They don't only sell books, right? They started out selling books when they were first you know, launched their website many years ago, but they've gone to everything now. They sell everything now so i think really really i'll tell you what i did for holiday present my wife didn't feel going to 27 different stores to get me a pair of jeans so she said go on amazon and see what kind of pricing you can get because my size is fairly consistent i have a fairly normal size so you can buy something off the shelf and if it is that size with that inseam there's a 95 percent probability that it will fit me and it worked perfectly we got a couple of pairs of jeans at a really cheap price from Amazon, of course, 
They bought Zappos, so they do have a big clothing division. Then you have a lot of independent companies who sell through Amazon. Yeah, and pretty much anything, right? You can find there appliances, you know, electronics, books, movies, games. You know, it really is, you know, it's, it's the world's biggest retail store. It makes sense for them to have a mobile device that can actually be used to buy more than just one segment of what they're selling, to buy things like movies and music, which are clearly, you know, big sellers, at least as, you know, as far as iOS goes or the iPad has shown us to date. Um, And and so in many ways, that was a natural. And and I think some of the stuff that they have to build in after that is stuff that they felt like if they shipped a tablet, you know, if they shipped a tablet that did media but didn't do, you know, email or the web, then they were going to get they were going to get slammed for that because then people would be like, well, why wouldn't I just spend the extra money and, and get an iPad? But by building that stuff in and, and making, I think there is at least some capability for doing some sort of apps. Um, then I think that's a, that's a big argument in its favor. Well, that's the big thing about the other tablets is having a decent app ecosystem, and obviously Amazon hasn't demonstrated they can do that yet. It's Not really yet. early in the game. Yeah, they've made an app store for Android apps, which you know a lot of people consider that was sort of the, the the key point at which everyone's going. All right, they're probably working on on their own you know app device of some sort, and it does let you do some app stuff. It looks like they've mainly you know if you go on their site, you can see them mainly a focus on games. I believe they showed off Angry Birds at some point and Fruit Ninja and a couple other popular titles. It looks like there's a there's a Facebook app and a Pulse uh, app, and so it seems like you know to a certain extent. Uh, a lot of the Android apps that are available elsewhere can be used for this. They also suggest that they they test, Amazon tests all these apps on the Kindle Fire to make sure they're compatible so that it might be a slightly more curated selection than what the, the Android market as, uh, you know, as a larger sort of uh, marketplace offers, um, which is probably good. Um, you don't necessarily want people downloading apps that are going to make your tablet look really bad or don't particularly work with certain features of your tablet or what have you. I don't know if there's an option to install arbitrary and pretty much any Android app. It might be in there somewhere, but I don't think they're going to tout it. All right. Let's look at one other aspect of this, which is the hardware. Is the hardware, being it's a 7-inch design, similar to the Galaxy Tab or the Playbook or one of those devices? I've heard suggestions, and I, I, I can't speak to this authoritatively, but I've heard suggestions that this is very similar to the Playbook in, in hardware design, and possibly because it was, uh, so the rumors are that it was built by the same OEM as, as the Playbook, which is Qantas, I think. And so there's also some suggestion that this is a, some people have said this is a stopgap, that they plan to release something a little more uh, fully thought out next year, but they're trying to get in in time for the holiday market. Um, I don't know about whether or not that's true, but it's certainly a possibility. It would Um, imply it's rushed. Yeah, yeah. And so it's hard to know. I mean, obviously, I think even the people who were there didn't necessarily get to get hands-on with it. Um, but they, I mean, they demoed it on the floor, is my understanding. But but people didn't necessarily get to you know pick one up and use one. Okay, um, so that's the whole thing. We don't know no, how well no. it's going to work in practice. When does it officially go on sale, or is it on sale already? I believe it's available for pre-order right now, but it looks like it ships mid-November along with the. Uh, oh, that's kind of late. Yeah, I mean that's pretty close to. I think that's why they were really you know trying to get people to pre-order them and saying you know <laughs> buy it now and then it'll arrive in time for the holidays. Whereas. You know, if you wait till November, you, a lot of people have done their shopping already or are already, you know, have come up with another idea or something. So we'll see how it does. 
Um, I think it'll be interesting. It's it's great to have more competition in this marketplace because I think you know coming from the perspective of someone who uses a lot of Apple devices and clearly works with a lot of Apple devices, it's good to have something that's driving Apple and not letting them be complacent. Well, it's good also to have competition. I mean, part of the problem right now with all these iPad killers is they have been so pathetic in terms of miserable performance, a miserable operating system, and people buy these things and they return them. I could see the Kindle Fire being a casual purchase, especially if you're already an Amazon customer. Sure. At 200 bucks, I mean, it is definitely a lot cheaper than... Than buying again, picking up an iPad, which is through you know, this is less than half the price of an iPad. So, for a lot of people, that's in that range of, yeah, okay, I'll pick one up. I mean, I'm thinking about picking up one of the hundred dollar Kindle touches they came out with just because it's a hundred bucks and I don't really like reading books that much on my iPad. So, it's that you know, they hit that sweet spot where they feel like it's it's impulse purchase level almost. Well, um, that's another question, too. Obviously, Apple has certainly covered the cost of development of the iPad. Would Apple? use this as an incentive to cut the price of the iPad, maybe bring it down to three ninety nine for the starting gate. I don't think they're worried enough about this at the moment that they would do that. If it seemed like sales were really hurting of the iPad and they thought like, hey, the Kindle sales are doing really well, then at that point, I think that they might consider cutting it. But honestly, they're pretty consistent about their message. Like, look, we are offering a premium product for a premium price. And at this point, this is the first tablet like of any fashion more or less that's come pretty close to undercutting them the none of the android tablets quite managed to pull that off well they can't because they're not selling the things at a loss right you know if they they want to make a profit if assuming that amazon is losing 50 bucks per device which is what the survey said to make a profit a minimal profit would have to be 299 but really 350 or 399 right and so that would be much closer to an iPad, and that, I think, would be a lot easier for people to say, nah, I'll spend the extra money and just get an iPad. And here, the question, of course, is, yes, you get the content from Amazon, the streaming. You get the books, but you can get that on any device. And, of course, on Apple, and, of course, You can even Amazon. get Kindle books Sure, and get the Kindle book yeah. on the iPad, so it doesn't matter. The point being, of course, is will they be able to build their own application ecosystem because that still makes the difference i mean one of the big problems they had with these other devices the galaxy tab with the playbook no apps yep and that's a, i think a big problem with those devices and you know it's hard right because it's it's kind of a chicken and the egg problem sometimes where it seems like uh hey you know we want to launch this tablet and we want to have lots of developers writing great applications for it but in order for developers to feel like it's worth their time there's got to be users and in order for the users to buy it there's got to be applications so you know you you kind of run around in circles there i mean the, the apple was very lucky in that they are very smart i should say in that they you know when they released the ipad it ran all the iPhone apps, not in an ideal fashion, but enough to goad people into saying, well, hey, this, this stuff works, but you know, I would really love it if there was an iPad-specific version of this application. And the developer saying, oh, wow, there's a lot of demand for this, and our, and our app looks crappy. We should make a good one that looks, looks better on the iPad. So it was a, that's a really smart move on Apple's part. You have more and more of these so-called universal apps, which are iPad and iPhone ready. Why not? I mean, you know, and Apple knows Universal. They're experts at Universal apps. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, and and the, there are probably a decent number of people who have both iPhones and iPads at least in the same household. So why not? Yeah. Mm. 
So this is certainly an interesting development. It's certainly, I think, the most compelling potential competitor to the iPad that we've seen because of the price, because of the fire sale price. I mean, they call it the fire, and they sell it at a fire sale price. Yeah, so I think that's, that's that's a big part of it. The other big part of it is, as someone pointed out today, they didn't just copy the iPad, right? Like, they didn't just do the same exact thing. They put their own spin on it. And I think that's something else that makes it really compelling, is it, it doesn't just look like an iPad clone. If it's a traditional screen, it's not going to be as sharp as the Kindle screen. If you have a comment or question, write us, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. We have Dan Warren of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. Dan Warren of Macworld Magazine is joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And I wanted to just phrase the question that we ended our last segment with, which is about the screen. The screen is a standard LCD display. It's not this e-ink thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a standard. It's got uh, IPS, which is the same sort of technology that it uses in plane switching that's used for uh, the iPad. In fact, if, what's really funny is I was just looking at their their page for the Kindle Fire, and it in fact says in their in their little blurb about the touchscreen, it says that the technology is similar to that used on the iPad. So clearly, they're trying to capitalize on that. A lot of people like the iPad screen, obviously, but it is a traditional uh, LCD screen and not the e-ink screen. So I wonder, like, because they've definitely tried to use in the past, they've sort of knocked the iPad for being unreadable in sunlight. Um, And obviously, this is going to have the same problem as that, right? It's not an e-ink screen, so you're going to have glare issues. And I think it will be, it's always interesting to watch companies about face on something when they've, you know, tried to pick up on what's the flaw that we can exploit because our technology isn't, we're not using that technology yet. And now that they're in that boat as well, um, I guess we will have to see them not knock that as much. Talk about hypocrisy. The yeah. Amazon Kindle Fire, we're going to see how it's going to do. Now, 
This part of the show, ladies and gentlemen, may be out of date when you hear the episode, and that is because so many people listen to the Tech Night Out Live after, days after it's actually broadcast, okay? So I understand we're sitting here in our respective establishments, and we're going to speculate about Apple's media event, October 4th, a Tuesday. Now, we all assume that Tim Cook, the new CEO, permanent CEO, is going to be the host and bring on the standard group of Apple executives. Do you think there's any chance that Steve Jobs will kind of sneak on there towards the end and say hello and maybe do a one more thing? I, I think it's possible. I don't know what the odds are, but I mean, I, I think he, at this point I could go either way. I could see him showing up. Someone suggested him to be my show via FaceTime. I don't know. I, I, found, I find that less plausible unless it's like, oh, let's FaceTime Steve, and then Steve walks out on the stage or something. I mean, I, I think we could see him. I think we, we could just as easily, you know, have him, you know, if he's kind of taking a step back. And I think in some ways he might want to not be in the spotlight so as not to distract attention from the products. I could see him making that decision as well. He might um, also not want to upstage Tim Cook. Right, exactly. You know, he's clearly said, like, I'm really confident in Tim, and I, you know, I'm glad that he's taking over. And so it does kind of undercut him to show up and be like, oh, yeah, let me handle, you know, let Dad handle this, kid, sit down. <laughs> I, I think he, he might be content to let Tim and the rest of the team do the talking in this time around. I think this time maybe not, but you never know. It's 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 impossible to guess with Apple, right? Sometimes they uh, they, they like to keep these things very close to uh, close to their chest. Okay, so let's do the inevitable speculation here. We know there's going to be a new iPhone. Obviously, we know, for example, that the vacation days at AT and T stores and Apple are being blocked out for the second week of October. So this would say to everybody that. On Tuesday, October 4th, Apple announces the new iPhone to be shipping at the end of the following week. Yeah, I mean, it seems likely. That's That seems like uh, the, the, the timeline that would work. Um, obviously, there's always some room for play in there, and it's you know hard to say exactly what they've got in mind, but it definitely seems likely. Um, at this point, you know, the, the Apple was not coy. Well, they were a little bit coy, but not, not exceedingly coy in their invitations, right? This is an iPhone-focused event. It's clearly going to be about the iPhone. Um, we've already seen them preview iOS 5, um, when, which they've said is coming in the fall, and we've seen them preview iCloud, which I believe is also supposed to arrive around the sign at the same time. So I think we're going to get that triple whammy there. We're going to get iOS 5 is released now or shortly after this event. iCloud is going into, you know, full availability and here's a new iPhone to use them on um, all within pretty short order there might be a couple surprises in there um, but those are the things I think you can pretty much count on and certainly Apple would probably want to release iOS 5 a few days before the iPhone to get people a chance to download without clogging the servers with activations and other stuff yeah, they've often done that in the past, and I think they will probably continue this time around just because it's easy. As you said, it's they've learned the hard way that if they release a software update on the same day that they also release a new piece of hardware, that everything sort of breaks down, especially if they want to release iCloud, too, because then we're back into shades of the mobile me debacle. I think that they might try to stagger that a little bit. Well, you kind of think iCloud and iOS 5 have to come together. Yeah, I, I could see those both coming in at the same time um, and then having the uh, the phone done separately. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. 
uh, in iOS 5 that, that ties into iCloud. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of stuff on, on macOS that ties in as well. And so the other question is whether or not we're going to have to see some sort of, uh, you know, t- update to, to Lion, like a 10.7.2 update uh, somewhere in there. And I think that's, that's probable as well. Let's look at the iPhone 5 and the possibilities. Certainly after Apple created all this anticipation, because it's later in the year than we originally expected, you think Apple is not going to just take the iPhone 4 and maybe give it a minor refresh. It's going to be a whole new case. It has to be. Well, yeah, and there's been some conflicting information or conflicting rumors, I should say, about this, um, in that some people suggesting that we're just going to see a sort of cosmetic, minorly cosmetic update, something that looks a lot like the iPhone 4, uh, you know, sort of an, an iPhone 4S, if you will, if they follow the same sort of pattern that they did with the 3G and the 3GS. Others saying, hey, this is going to be a totally different device. It's going to be, you know, iPhone 5 is going to be just as big a jump from the iPhone 4 as the iPhone 4 was from the 3GS. Um, so... It's not really clear. There are some suggestions there could be more than one model, which is also, I guess, a possibility in that regard if they want to release sort of a, a slightly updated iPhone 4 to fill that cheaper 3GS slot and a brand-new high-end iPhone 5 for you know those early adopters. Okay, but let's look at this in more detail. If you look at the badge on that invitation, you've got the phone icon and you've got number one. Now, does that mean only one model, or does that mean only one product will be discussed at the session? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's numerology. I think you can drop oh, it. numerology. We have another radio show called The Paracast, and we know that we discuss a lot of wacky things there, and maybe that's the wacky thing. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it does seem a little strange that they put that on there because they could have just as easily left it off and you still would have gotten the, the, the gist of the message. I don't know. I, I wonder if they're just, they're just messing with people <laughs> just, just well, to give them something to talk about. Well, you know what? Apple doesn't quite do that. I tend to think what might happen here is we will have an iPhone 5, but the iPhone 4 will remain on sale. They'll come up with the lower-end version, with the 8-gigabyte version, the equivalent of the iPhone 3GS, a low-end iPhone 4, which will be sold for next to nothing with a two-year contract. I think that's very plausible. I mean, and it certainly, as you're saying, fits the pattern for the stuff that they're currently doing. And it meets the pattern of this invitation because it has the number one on it. Sure. You think you could draw that conclusion? I'll give you another one. There's an article at one of the Mac sites saying a new survey proffers the conclusion that 41% of U.S. consumers plan to buy the iPhone 5, according to a mobile ad company called InMobi. Okay. Well, what do you say? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, here, here's the thing. They clearly, you know, every iPhone that Apple has sold has done incredibly well. The iPhone 4 is currently selling incredibly well for a phone that is more than a year old. The only phone that is even close to catching the iPhone 4 in individual unit sales volumes is the iPhone 3GS. <laughs> Clearly, there's a market for people um, both upgrading from previous phones as well as brand new iPhone customers. Um, and I'll mention in passing, and we'll get to more of this in our next segment, there's a story that the Samsung Galaxy S2 sold 10 million copies in five months. Now, Apple in that period will sell 30 to 40 million iPhones. So you have to look at the contrast. And then again, also, Samsung is notorious for saying, we ship this many, 
but they can have five million sitting there in the storage docks at the warehouses waiting to be sold because nobody wants them. We have Dan Morhan from Hackworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack. Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hey, everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now, look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge, and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery. So you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought. And if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237 and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Energy, energy, and more energy. We all need it. Get the energy you need quick through the powers of wild forest extract. Wild chug on birch bark are the secrets of the forest used exclusively by Russian athletes. Wild chaga is the world's top source of superoxide dismutase, the critical enzyme that blocks the aging process. Chaga is good for your heart and even helps support healthy arteries. Wild birch extract is the top source of betulin, a natural sterol needed by every cell of the body. And healthy cells mean a healthy body 
and a more powerful you. No wonder it's known as a king of all herbs. Experience real energy and power like you've never dreamed possible. Take Chago Charge Tea with Wild Birch Bark every day and Chaga Max capsules to get the energy you need. You deserve it. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. That's 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We have Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we have a few more moments to spend more action. We started talking about the Amazon Kindle Fire sold at fire sale prices, I guess. We continued with Apple's October 4th media event where they are expected, because that's what they're telling you, to introduce an ex-iPhone. So about my little speculation before we broke, what do you think? <laughs> um, I think that there's, there might be something to that. It's, it's always hard to see with these, uh, you know, with these events. I, I think what was, you know, for sure is that uh, whatever, whatever Apple does roll out is going to be, I think there's going to be elements of, of things that we just haven't thought of. And then when they, you know, as so often happens, when they demonstrate them, they, you know, you think, oh, God, that's so logical. Why didn't I see that coming? Because it's um, too simple. Yeah, I, I think you just it doesn't even occur to you that it's something that you need until you need it, right? And of course people like to credit that to, you know, Apple's reality distortion field or what have you, but I think they just do a really good job of isolating problems and figuring out what the best solutions are and sometimes they're problems that you, you didn't even know you had until they give you a solution, which is Okay, so we have a large portion of people gonna get the iPhone five, but we had another survey that was done very recently, a survey of so called premium customers around the world saying that the iPhone had an 89% retention rate, but the retention rate for just about everything else was about a third that, which means nobody likes their Samsung, nobody likes their BlackBerry, but they all love their iPhone, and that 39% of users of Android products are ready to jump ship to the iPhone. I mean, traditionally, in, in a lot of these surveys, the iPhone has had incredibly good customer satisfaction numbers uh, across the board. Um, people are just really, in generally, seem to be really happy with their iPhones. And, and clearly, I think that's, to Apple's credit, uh, they've created a device that really is very pleasing to use. And I think you will find people who are who are happy with their Android phones. I have a few friends who really like their Android phones. Um but I think, you know, there are a lot of issues in the Android marketplace now, among them the idea that, you know, a new Android phone seems to come out every couple of days and all of a sudden... I thought it was every couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> you thought you had the latest and greatest phone until it turns out that uh, one just came out and made it obsolete, which is something that people used to say about computers a lot back in the day, but has has become a little less of an issue as that, that platform has matured. But, I, you know, smartphones are moving really fast now, and so I think people are pretty happy 
uh, with their iPhones. And even I know some people are still using iPhone 3GS and they're, they're fine with that. You know, they, it still works for the stuff they want to do. It's still, you know, infinitely more capable than those feature phones that they used to have. So I think there, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of satisfaction with it all around. Well, the other thing too is that in the case of all those new models, in the world of Android phones, the differences are not that distinctive. You know, yeah. they have a new product with a slightly different model name, and maybe it's got a slightly faster processor or some minor difference. Yeah, and they're confusing. You mentioned before, was it Samsung Galaxy Tab 2? With You know, like it's, it, it, it's like buying PCs back in the day when you had to buy your Dell, Inspiron, XT35, but not the 34. You know, there's well, a lot the of reason people, I think, buy it is it's not the anticipation. You know, with an iPhone, there's an anticipation of a single product. With these other products, they're released so regularly, there's no anticipation. It just happens to be the model that's there. And someone wants to buy these phones and they look at 20 different phones and they pick one. Yeah, they want they want the best, whatever, or what at least what they think is the best. But it's, it can be hard to figure out when there are so many options, right? So I think that you know Android does have a fragmentation problem as far as that goes, and you know that comes from having it's the same problem Microsoft had, right? You know they had their Windows, you know, was pretty monolithic, but there were so many different potential PCs you could buy to run Windows that it quickly became a, a matter of discriminating amongst all these thousands of different models. Well, I know when you go into a Best Buy and there's a big bank of PC notebooks or desktops and you look at them and from a distance and even up close, you say, what's the difference? Yep. Whereas, whereas Apple has made a really good, you know, done a really good job with the Mac, for example, of differentiating, you know, you, you, there's no mistaking an 11-inch MacBook Air for a 17-inch MacBook Pro, right? Those are sure. extremely different products. <laughs> You're positive uh, about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's unlikely. So, I mean, they've done a quick, a good job of making sure that what distinguishes things, what distinguishes their products from each other are distinctive enough that, that consumers pick up on it with no problem. Do I want a lighter computer? Do I want a computer with a bigger screen, right? Like, all these are physical attributes, um, whereas you get those weird, like, stickers and stuff on all the different PCs touting their chipsets and their, you know, audio systems and whatever. And it's like, well, you know, a lot of consumers don't know or can't tell the difference between that unless you tell them. And and then they just they get these weird little psychological constructs where it's like no this one has the Nvidia 64 GT you know and they don't know what that means but they it sounds good right yeah we got to have that Nvidia whatever Apple makes it simple without the big model numbers it's an A4 it's an A5 it'll be an A6 an A7 you'll have Mac OS 10 not Mac OS finagle <laughs> yeah they, they 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 try to make things that are easy and 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 uh, you know, plain English to a certain extent. That's it. The Mac OS plain English, new computer coming from <laughs> Apple. Available I, now in Greece. I look forward to it. Going to buy three of them. Okay, so we only have a couple of moments left. Quickly at the event, new iPods or not? You know, it's interesting. I definitely, I definitely feel like the iPod Touch is kind of due for a, a, a revision and, and alongside the iPhone kind of makes sense um, because if they're bringing a lot of new features to the iPhone, an iPod Touch kind of kind of jibes with that. Uh, one of my colleagues, I think it was Dan Frake, suggested a, a 3G-enabled iPod Touch in the same way that the iPad has 3G, you know, have a data plan that you can renew month sure. to month. I think a lot of people would, would buy that up. I think and that would so would really AT&T help. and Verizon. Yeah, I mean, it's free money for them, right? They weren't, they're not getting any money from the people who just buy those iPod Touches right now. And, and I think that there's, there's something very compelling about that. 
Because um, that leaves the nano, which they might continue to sell or just modify. Nano's, it's Some weird. are saying, though, that the shuffle and the classic going bye-bye. You know, the shuffle I like better than the nano in some ways. That recent, that last nano is just, it's strange, right? It's kind of a weird hybrid between a touch-sensitive, like iPod Touch, and a shuffle. And I think it doesn't work as well as the shuffle. I think if you just want to listen to music, the shuffle is an excellent device. Um, and so I, I like to see the shuffle stick around. I'd rather, almost rather see them kill off the nano. The classic... I think the classic's coming to the end of its days. It's just a matter of flash storage getting cheap enough at large quantities. So well, it's still a little. It might it might survive this year, um, you know, because it can. You can have a 250 gig uh, iPod Classic, and and putting that into an iPod Touch is still a little bit expensive. And um, you have to think this way: Kirk McElhern has 50,000 songs, 100,000 songs. He's got more Kirk, songs. Kirk is not like any of us, though. No, Kirk is a different member of a different planet. He lives in that place in France that's hidden from the world in a cave. Dan Warren, where do we find more of the stuff that you write about? Uh, Macworld.com, and you can tune in for our live coverage. If it's not after the event has already happened, you can tune in for our live coverage. And if it is after the event has already happened, well, you can find more details about everything that Apple talked about at Macworld.com. And, of course, we'll have updates here. Dan Warren. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. My pleasure, Dean. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. SellYourMac.com purchases used Apple computers, iPhones, iPads, and iPods through a safe, no-hassle transaction. They're a BBB-accredited business with an A-plus rating. You can rest assured you'll get paid for your expensive devices. They're in this business because they love Apple products. They want you to have the latest and greatest Apple gear available. Selling your used Mac, iPhone, or iPad will greatly reduce the cost of a new purchase. Get a free quote now from SellYourMac.com. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today.
OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up. Optics Planet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags, and tactical gear on the planet. With always low prices, free shipping on most orders, and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN. Or call 800-332-OPTICS. 800-332-6784. We want to know, how do you use WebEx? I use WebEx anytime I need to meet with clients. With the new WebEx high-quality video, it's like meeting face-to-face. Connect online and share what's on your computer screen with others. Anytime, anywhere. On their desktop, on their laptop, or mobile device. How do you use WebEx? Go to WebEx.com right now and try WebEx free. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X.com. You can't argue with success. And many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products. Like C-Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet. Or Human Growth Hormone Support, Menopause Specialist for Women, and Joint Specialist. See these and many other quality Affinity Health Products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call in your orders at 877-888-7126. That's 1-877-888-7126. Trust your health to the makers of Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Jim Galbraith is a lab director at Macworld Magazine, so he tests the stuff before you get to see it, before you get to buy it, before you determine for yourself whether it's worth the bother. But you have, Jim, a new test routine that you guys at Macworld have developed and updated. It's the latest speed mark. Tell our listeners a little bit about how you put this together and what's changed, if anything, from the previous version. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, we change the uh, we change speed mark every time that uh, the new major version of the OS comes out. So when Lion came out, it was time for another one. So um, sometimes we can't wait as long as it takes Apple, so we end up having a speed mark ten, uh, speed mark six five. Uh, with Snow Leopard, uh, we had to because the applications got so old, waiting for Lion to come out, um, that we had to have a interim set. But uh, so Speedmark Seven is out, and it uh, worked with OS Ten Seven, also known as Lion. There we go. Okay, so you put it together. Do you use the same apps or different versions of the apps? What do you do? Yeah, so the last version was about a year old, um, and so most of the uh, most of the, a lot of the apps had been uh, updated in that time. But we don't update them as we go. We keep the same tests when we lock it down to then. So yes. Okay, so you have maybe new or updated apps in the course of developing this. Did you get a chance to test the performance? of Snow Leopard versus Lion. Yeah, it was pretty much a wash. 
a couple of things seem to get a little faster and a couple of things seem to get a little slower. Some of the drive stuff, some of the storage related things, they got a little bit slower, but some of the CPU stuff got a little faster. It really ended up being, you know, the same exact speed mark score at the end of the day. But So it's kind of like something's 3% slower, something is 3% faster, that kind of thing. Not serious. Yeah, there was yeah, and by the and, and and it all just worked out to be. This might be a little bit slower here, but it picked it up in in this area. So yeah, there's uh, 13 tests, one, two, three, four, and um, with seven different applications, a lot of stuff using just you know OS 10 and the i apps. Um, we also do uh, parallels test, and uh, we use a couple of other uh, benchmark tests like Cinebench. Okay, and- let me explain to our listeners parallels is Parallels Desktop for the Mac. And what that is, is it lets you run Windows or other operating systems within a virtual machine, but now also you can run Lion within that virtual machine. That's true. We didn't do that for this test. We're running Windows 7 uh, in a virtual machine and then testing how it performs uh, on the different Macs using the same virtual machine from system to system. And then we compare all these test results to uh, we pick a 100 system, and that did not change from uh, from Speedmark 6.5. We're still using a 2.4 gigahertz Core 2 Duo Mac Mini from 2010, but we updated it to run Lion and put all the same apps on it, and so that gets the 100 score. And then we've tested 45 other Macs. The current, all the current Macs, a bunch of built to orders. Um, you can find all these on Macworld.com, as well as uh, 2009, 2010, 2008 Macs as well. Is there any advantage to running canned tests? Well, you know, there is. Uh, we do a, a Speedmark is a mix right now of some kind of hand time tests, uh, applications we get up do the same kinds of things that uh, any user would. Most of, uh, most of Speedmark is uh, real applications doing real things um, like Photoshop and iPhoto and iTunes and importing documents and zipping files and unzipping files. But we do run a few things like Mathematica Mark, uh, things that can really isolate the CPU and can take advantage of, you know, the eight cores in a Mac Pro. All right, let's look at more of the meaning of these tests. Now, I have a Mac of one speed. I have a Mac of another speed. How much of a speed difference do you actually need to see it visually? I'm not talking about stop watching it. You know, if you're crazy like me and you, we stop watch it. You get paid to stop watch it. I do not get paid to stop watch it. But okay, you're stop watching it. You will know the difference. Say it renders 20 seconds faster. What kind of difference makes a difference for the average person? It's hard to say. I mean, the, sometimes you think something feels zippy, and it may have nothing to do with you know uh, how fast the processor is or anything else. You know, an SSD starts up a lot if you're running. You know, if you got your OS on an SSD, application startup, you're gonna it's gonna feel faster, and it is faster. And that whether it's faster when you're actually doing your things or not, not necessarily, but you may still perceive it as being just a faster overall system because kind of some of those things you end up waiting on, you're not waiting on. You know, yeah, a 2 or 3%, 4%, I don't think you're going to, you're not going to be able to feel that kind of difference when you're going. Um, but, uh, you know, some of these, you know, looking at our, our, our slowest uh, speed mark score, 
was for a 1.6 gigahertz Core 2 Duo MacBook from 2008. That's got a score of 59. Um, and our fastest was a 2.93 gigahertz quad core i7 iMac, which got a 264. So, uh, you know, that's more than four times as fast. So I think you're going to. Uh, that's interesting. Okay. But there's yeah. one more thing here. Yeah. And that is that we haven't seen a refresh for the Mac Pro in quite a while. And we don't know whether Apple's even going to discuss Macs at next week's session, the one that may have already happened if you've listened to the show a few days after it was broadcast. Okay. So right now, today, I want to buy a new Mac. I want the fastest Mac on the planet. It's an iMac. That's correct. For most, for almost everything. If you do, you know, there, if, you, if all you do is run Mathematica, that can take advantage of the 16, you know, the eight real processing cores and the 16 virtual cores uh, that it offers. Uh, the very few applications that take advantage of that, then, you know, a Mac Pro might be worth the $5,000 or whatever it costs. Um, but for most people, yeah, an iMac uh, right now, if you get an iMac with an SSD in it, a quad-core iMac with an SSD in it, uh, you, you won't be complaining. You won't be waiting for much. It's a, it's a very fast machine. They have a version here of an iMac. You max it out with memory. You get two drives. You get a standard hard drive, and you get an SSD built in by Apple. You have to buy this as an Apple configuration. I guess people can do it third parties, but it requires basically taking your iMac in and rebuilding it. MacSales.com kind of does that. But, okay, you have the SSD, so you have the SSD for your applications and your system files, and you stick your other stuff, your document files, go on the second drive. That gets you a lot more speed. I saw a maxed-out iMac with the fastest i7 processor, build to order everything on it for about $3,700. And that model started out before the modifications at about 2000 <laughs> Does it make a difference to spend all that money? Well, it depends on which upgrade you want the, and what you're going to be doing with your what you're going to be doing with your Mac. If you the the you know 250 gig uh, internal SSD, if you don't need much more space than that, or you can go external with it, you could save a little bit of money that way by uh, by not having both drives internal. And as you said, you have to you have to order it that way from Apple or get a third party. I thought maybe they ha- would include everything, and you could just open it up and stick an SSD in there, or order with an SSD and stick another hard drive in. But no, they don't include the cables or any of that stuff that you need in that. It's really weird if you look at what, for example, the people at Mac Sales have to do to take that thing apart. And you bring it in-house, and of course an SSD costs a lot of money, so I guess they justify it and they have the process automated. But it really is kind of a messy process. I wouldn't want to do it. I think anybody out there, if you want to buy the SSD on your iMac, get it stuck. I want to tell you something new, neighbors. We have totally redone our forums at forum.technighthell.com. That's forum.technighthell.com. It's got near-perfect integration with Facebook perfect integration with twitter you could even use it with google plus so you're going to want to check it out and get involved in the discussions forum.technightowl.com we have jim galbraith lab director at Backworld magazine i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night Owl live Are 
you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Why is it so many people suffer from so many illnesses today? Why don't doctors know how to help you? Could it be that our doctors don't know how because there's a nutrition solution and they only know about drugs? Over 68 diseases are connected to a deficiency of glutathione. The missing ingredient to increasing your body's production of glutathione is cysteine. Raising your glutathione production protects you from cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, lung disease, digestive diseases, diabetes, Alzheimer's, ALS, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. Nature's richest source of cysteine is unheated whey. Heating can damage much of the cysteine. One World Whey is the first undamaged whey protein on the market. Using One World Whey may support optimal glutathione production unlike any other food or supplement you've ever taken. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use EscapeHarassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape Harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. 
How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9970. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We're back with Jim Galbraith at Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We're discussing the latest Speedmark test, and we're finding out, of course, that they use real-world, in large part, real-world testing of real-world applications to see how fast a Mac you need. Of course, the other obvious question is, if I want to compare a Mac to a Windows computer, do I have to run boot camp on the Mac and run Windows and then run a Windows PC native to see how it works. And Boot Camp, by the way, is, allows you to natively restart your Mac in a Windows environment. What do you think, Jim? Well, our friends here at uh, PC World, that's what they do. They, they, you know, their readers are, are also interested in Macs. And so uh, they run our reviews, but they also run uh, their own uh, WorldBench set of uh, benchmarks and they'll uh, they install boot camp and then windows 7 and then and then do it that way so uh, i think probably most people who buy a mac uh, are probably using it as a mac but needed for a few things and i think that uh, going the parallels or vmware fusion to be able to run windows without rebooting and doing all that messy stuff is probably the way to go okay with apple's boot camp Compared to a Windows computer of similar specs, does Boot Camp work the same? It does. It uh, sometimes it uh, sometimes it, uh, I, I know they sometimes struggle getting the, the the right drivers and the updated drivers and those kinds of things uh, for some of the for some of the components that you have to mess with when you're doing Windows versus something nice and elegant like the Mac. But yeah, it's uh, it it you know once you boot into Boot camp and install Windows. It is a PC. It's got Intel processors. It's using all standard stuff. So it really is a very comparable uh, PC to you know something with the same specs. Because Apple is now using pretty much industry standard components. That's right. Mm-hmm. What about in terms of gaming benchmarks? Is the Mac getting closer to Windows boxes now? You know. I haven't done a lot of testing on Macs versus PCs on, on that. I can say that um, there are the, the the frame rates seem to be getting faster and faster, which is good. Um, and we all know that the games are getting more and more uh, graphically intense. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, we we were able to see you know some pretty fast. Uh, Portal 2 frame rates of up to 200 frames per second on a, on an iMac build-to-order uh, system. Uh, you know, if you're using the integrated graphics in a MacBook Air, it's not going to be as fast. But even those have actually gotten much faster, and it's you know playable, and you're not going to be left out. Uh, but you know, you may be getting 50 frames per second. 
looking at measurements and we look at all these numbers and we understand, yes, if you launch an app, it takes a second faster, maybe that's significant, or a few seconds faster. If you perform some kind of rendering process, like you go in Photoshop and you're going to do some image editing, you make a lot of changes and you save those changes and you render them on the screen, it takes a certain amount of time. We understand that. But when you're playing a game, how much is playable? What does playable mean in the real world? What do I have to look for? Well, I guess if you're a, if you're an intense player, someone who really wants every, you know, to really kind of be sucked into the game, then you want to turn on all the crazy options and have all the full screen anti aliasing and have all the, you know, all, all the bells and whistles turned on and have it not stutter and be a smooth uh, experience. Um, some people would, uh, you know, to, to, to get it to go faster, to be able to not have that stuttering, will turn off a few things. Um, with the higher end Max, you can turn it all on and be playing in a smooth, you know, very smooth uh, environment and and have a nice gaming experience. Whether or not it's the same on the, you know, I work down here. We share a lab space with the PC World uh, Test Center, and I mean these these guys. Some of these gaming systems look like refrigerators. You know, <laughs> with water cooling and, you know... It's kind of like the Power stuff. Mac G5 that had water cooling. Yes. Uh, but these things are, you know, one, you know, one and a half times the size of that or more and big and black and they look scary. And uh, so, yeah, there's, a, you know, for people who are super serious about super serious about gaming, they don't mind spending thousands of dollars to have, you know, multiple graphics cards and, you know all the RAM they can fit in there and cooling and yeah, they sound like they're going to take off. So it's kind of like you're buying a Mac pro. You're spending five or $10,000 for a computer just for gaming. And that's an interesting point here, which I'd like to raise. And you can tell me if you even have an answer here when it comes to a gaming machine, wouldn't a dedicated gaming console for $300 do better? It must not because I see these gaming, these gaming systems come in you know, on a weekly basis and, you know, they take a forklift to move around and they cost a small fortune. So there must be something that an Xbox isn't giving them that these things are. When it comes to something like an iPhone or an iPad, are you able to do the same kind of benchmarks on them to see how they relate in terms of game playing to a desktop machine? I mean, it's not the same game, even if it has the same name, it's obviously a totally different product. But is there any comparison? There's uh, there are a couple of uh, OpenGL benchmarks out there that uh, go through a, some 3D games and give you a frame rate, just kind of like uh, like you do on a desktop. So yeah, we do run some of those tests, and we can uh, it'll run on the Androids uh, Android sets too. So uh, you know we can kind of see how fast a Samsung Galaxy Tab is compared to an iPad. You and know what? You raised the question here. Uh, maybe I'm asking you to cite from memory here. You don't have to give me the exact numbers. But taking an iPad and one of the better Android or any of the other tablets, how does the iPad fare in terms of playing games and doing other stuff? Um, very competitive and think it's faster than faster than most. Um, some some of the newer some of the newer tablets might have a little better camera. 
built in. Um, so we do we do camera testing just the, the same way we do with point and shoots and SLRs, where we have a jury come out and we print out the the photos and do the same test shots. Um, but as far as performance wise, we do some uh, some. Page loading. We do battery tests. Uh, uh, sorry, you know, browser page loading, uh, battery tests, the OpenGL tests, and a couple of other things. And yeah, the iPad's always right there at the top. Usually, for in most categories, it's still the one to beat. What about the iPhone compared to the regular Samsung Galaxy Two or one of these others? That I couldn't tell you. Okay, you don't have that kind of benchmark. I'm. I guess well, the point it, is here when you're playing a game. And if everything works and it's not flickering, you can get the features you want. That's playable. To me, it is. But I'm not a I'm not a hardcore gamer. Yeah. Um, but to me, you know, I you know the, the some of those some of the Mac the early Intel the HD graphics that you know came out with uh, the the integrated stuff that they would use in the minis and and the MacBook Airs. Those wow, those things you know really crawled, and you could tell that this was not going to be any fun to play um, some of these kind of games on. But now even the the lowest common denominator as far as uh, Mac graphics goes, which is probably what's in the um, the lower end mini and in the MacBook Airs, can do just about can play just about anything. Okay, let's look at one other comparison here. And that comparison is the cheapest Mac you can get today. And the cheapest Mac you can get today is, of course, the Mac Mini. And then you have the fastest iMac, the fastest Mac Pro. The average person, how much of a difference will they see in performance? I'm not talking about looking at the numbers. This is 267, this is 100 baseline, all that. How much difference would they see? Well, even between the two Mac Minis, I think you would see quite a bit of difference. Um, there's a, the low end uh, has a has a pokey hard drive. It's like a 5400 RPM hard drive in it, and uh, two gigs of RAM and a 2.3 gigahertz um, dual core i5. Uh, it's just it's just not very fast. Um, it's a good, you said no numbers, but it's, you can score to 132 in, in, in speed mark. Okay, but uh, the next step up has a better graphics card. You got more memory. You add all this stuff together, and suddenly you see a difference. You want to spend a bundle of money, you put an SSD in there. Yeah. But I don't think I do that with a six or $700 computer, but that's just me. What do I know? Tell us, Jim Galbraith, where they can find more of the stuff that you guys at Macworld Labs are working on. Macworld.com. That's simple enough. And I assume you'll be doing the battery life tests real soon now on the next iPhone that we know nothing about. That we know, or maybe we do. Oh? Depending on what time, when you're listening to this. Well, that's possible. That's quite possible, (laughs) you know. So we may know then, and Macworld may already be buying tons of them. We'll see. Jim Galbraith, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, my friend, Avram Pilch, would you tell me whether Skype has become better or worse since Microsoft bought it? (laughs) Uh, It hasn't become any better. It may have actually gotten worse. The connection that we're talking on right now absolutely did not work over wireless, and certainly the great promise of Skype that it was going to work everywhere, like on mobile devices, has never has never been lived up to. I constantly have problems with connectivity. And obviously more and more radio shows and even some TV shows are using Skype for networking. It's a cheap way out of it because, you know, setting up a real radio or TV network is very expensive. So you try Skype where you can. But it is flaky as all get out. It never gets any better. And you have to hope that somebody will have a better piece of competition. I don't know if you've tried Uvu, but that is supposed to be better, but is kind of suffers from a lot of the same issues. Uh, at at l- the laptop office, we use Uvu every morning to dial in two or three different remote staff members into our morning meetings. And uh, it get, they get hung up on about two or three times during the meeting and have to call back. So it really proves that this kind of uh, VoIP technology still isn't there yet. Well, I have a VoIP phone system here at the office, and I have to tell you, it sort of works okay 98% of the time. And then the other 2% of the time, it has a problem. Nobody can figure it out. And don't say switch to another provider. I've gone through four or five already, and it never works properly. Uh, And also, when you get into mobile, it becomes a much more serious problem using gtalk or using uvu or using basically anything other than facetime on mobile at laptop we found that it never works well Uh, no matter how good the internet connection is we could be you know on a t1 line we could be on 4g lte um, and so could our partner Uh, but no matter who we're, we're dialing if we're talking on a tablet or we're talking on a phone you know, except for Apple's FaceTime, which works reasonably well, they all freeze up. It's useless. Well, of course, the thing is here, I might try to use iChat with fellow Mac users as a means of communication, but then when you need to call out to somebody on a regular phone line, Skype is good at that. You get pretty decent phone connections when the connection works. Correct. It's the Skype to Skype where you start to run into problems. Yes, and of course... My co-host on my other show is communicating with me on Skype. We're just going to have to get a few million dollars in here 
and develop satellite uplinks. Forget about everything else. <laughs> it's just uh, no more. question. Before we get into the Amazon Kindle Fire, one thought occurred to me. Meg Whitman, as CEO of HP, a move of desperation, or is it something that really could have some value in fixing that company's problems? Well, it seems like they had to get rid of Apotheker because Apotheker was really bent on turning that company into another SAP, uh, his like his former company. And, and they ousted him from SAP, that. didn't they? I think they didn't. They weren't too fond of him. So, I mean, I I don't see where he was going to continue with the confidence of the board. However, uh, when you heard the press conference, it really didn't sound like Meg Whitman was really in charge. It sounded like the board had just kind of. She was a member of the board. Maybe she politicked her way up to uh, to getting the job. Uh, but it, it sounds like she's really kind of there to kind of do the whim of the board. Um, they may backtrack on some of the things that they said, like getting rid of the PC business. At the same time, you know, she when she talked about the PC business during the call, which she didn't talk much, she said she supported the decisions of August 18th, I believe it was, when they said they were going to spin off the the PC business and get rid of WebOS hardware. And then she said, but I'll, I'll revisit them. So a really kind of half, half answer there uh, and, and not really a vote of confidence on her part to say, wow, we, you know, we're the original number one PC maker. We really should be proud of ourselves and, and love our business. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think this is a desperation move on HP's part. They wanted to bring in someone who was a celebrity CEO. I mean, after all the, Meg Whitman's profile is very high. She ran yes, but there's another problem with Meg Whitman. The last year she was at eBay, where she had her great success and made all her money. The last year was the year they bought Skype. Uh, yeah, and that that <laughs> acquisition didn't turn out so great for for eBay. Although, depending on who I read, they seem to say, well, they they actually retained some of the value of Skype and stock options. And so it's it's hard to totally measure whether they whether they lost a lot of money on on Skype acquisition. They certainly didn't gain any gain anything from it. I mean, it, it wasn't uh, it, there was no integration between Skype and eBay that that made sense for that company uh, like it's supposed to make sense for Microsoft. And so far, we haven't seen it happen with Microsoft yet either. Like, when is Skype going to be built into the Windows Live uh, suite of tools and and kind of become part of of Windows. Uh, I think that's the interesting question. Well, the other question is, when will it work properly? Before everything else, who cares where they put it? Let's first make it work, and then you want to make apps for different operating systems. You want to integrate it within Windows. All that stuff, fix the problems first. Oh, there, there's no question about that. But, I mean, I think what Microsoft was thinking when they bought Skype was, here's the biggest player in uh, you know, in the VoIP space, we're Microsoft. We're trying to make a splash with Windows Phone 7. We're trying to make a splash with Windows 8. We want people to rely on us for communication. Uh, you know, Microsoft obviously has some has quite a few cloud services, so they obviously have a nice infrastructure there somewhere. You know, how could they leverage this to make people into Windows Phone users or make people into Windows users? I mean, could they make I mean, what they should really be doing and they might be thinking of doing is, hmm, can we make Skype free or can we make it kind of part of the SharePoint services or can we can we fix it so 
Windows Phone 7 is known as the Skype platform or something like that, I think they would they would have something. But they would also need to work on the quality. You're absolutely right. Um, and you would think that they would have a nice infrastructure there because obviously they're used to offering all kinds of cloud services. Although Amazon is apparently the king of cloud services uh, with their EC2 platform. And uh, maybe Microsoft should be talking to them about Skype. There was a crazy story I read once that Apple would outsource some of its iCloud server needs to Microsoft and Amazon. Talk about something wacky. Yeah, I think I think that the actual servers Amazon has the most uh, or has the most robust infrastructure, which kind of played in this uh, played into their announcements this week because they, they spent a lot of time talking about how their EC2 platform was actually going to make web browsing on their new device, on their new Kindle Fire device, better. I mean, we want so, to go into that because that's an interesting feature of the Kindle Fire. That really interests me, although it's not an original concept and something we'll go into a little bit later. But going back to this whole thing, of course, about acquiring companies and then hoping to make it work. And then, of course, we have in the waiting Google taking control of Motorola. And we assume that thing is going to pass muster. I can't see that it would be a problem like AT&T and T-Mobile. We don't know if that's going to make a better phone, a better smartphone, a better product. And, of course, we're going to also, as we get into the discussion of the Amazon Kindle Fire, the fact it's using the Android system but very heavily laden with Amazon's own overlays. So we wonder here if the people who might be hurt most would be the Android product suppliers as opposed to whether the Kindle Fire can actually compete with the iPad or not. There's a lot of stuff to discuss, a lot of things going on. And a little bit later, you're going to talk about this Lenovo tablet you tested, and you say it's a pretty good business product. So we're going to obviously want to look at other tablets and where that space is going, or whether it's going to outer space, we'll have to see. We have Avram Pilch. Of course, he's with Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com, and he's the online editorial director. Lots of exciting things coming up. A reminder, we redid our forums. Yes, we did. A program called Zenforo. We're trying it out at forum.technighthow.com. Great integration with Twitter. Great integration with Facebook. Check it out on the Tech Night Owl Live. SellYourMac.com. Purchases used Apple computers, iPhones, iPads, and iPods through a safe, no-hassle transaction. They're a BBB-accredited business with an A-plus rating. You can rest assured you'll get paid for your expensive devices. They're in this business because they love Apple products. They want you to have the latest and greatest Apple gear available. Selling your used Mac, iPhone, or iPad will greatly reduce the cost of a new purchase. Get a free quote now from SellYourMac.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. 
It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, September 30th, 2011. Gold opened this morning at 1621.30. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1661.89, 830.94 for a half ounce, or 415.47 for a quarter ounce. That's 1661.89, 830.94, and 415.47. Gold isn't for you? Hi, I'm Ted Anderson, and I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed the government is doing a great job. The Fed will stop handing out trillions like bailout candy, but that's not what's happening. If all looks rosy, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked while gold has risen 1,600%. Savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well. Free. Call 800-686-2237. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. 
And we started talking about the many thousands and millions of problems with the one, the only Skype. And we got into Meg Whitman, whether she'd make much of a CEO at HP, or they were so desperate to get rid of the other guy who left with this golden parachute of millions and millions of dollars that they had to bring her in. And we'll have to see how that works. But let's take a look at the Amazon Kindle Fire. Now, when you first heard about this thing and about the event, what did you expect and how did Amazon succeed or not? I expected an, a tablet that was really based on media consumption, a kind of a Barnes & Noble nook killer. And uh, that's, in, in effect, what Amazon's come out with. Uh, what, what I didn't expect was exactly how powerful the hardware would be that they would put into this thing and how inexpensive it would be at 199 So what, what you have in the, in, the Amazon, in the Kindle Fire is really something that is the perfect 7-inch media consumption device. It runs Android 2.3, but with a completely unique Amazon interface on top. You can run any app you want as long as it's an Amazon's app store, not Google's app store. Okay, so that's a big point here we want to mention. Even though it's Android, you just can't go to any Android app repository and use those apps. That's right. But if you've checked out uh, Amazon's Android app store, it's pretty robust. It's got a lot of different things in it. Now, what I wouldn't expect to be able to run on the Kindle Fire are competitive products, you know, apps that compete with services Amazon is already offering. So I would not expect, although they didn't say one way or the other, to be able to run Netflix on the Kindle Fire because Amazon's Prime service has all-you-can-eat streaming of like 11,000 videos. Uh, and so Netflix is a competitor. I wouldn't expect to be able to buy music from another music store or buy movies from another movie store or buy books from another bookstore uh, other than Amazon. But there's a slew of games, productivity apps, all that sort of stuff in the Amazon in the Amazon app store. It's pretty robust. The point service. is here is that Amazon provides this device to consume their dog food, not someone else's dog food. And that's how they get to the 199 price because they're probably spending about 300 or 350 on on the build of materials for this thing. It's got a lot better hardware for example than the $250 Barnes and Noble Nook color. It's got a dual core TI OMAP processor underneath. It's got a really brilliant screen. I mean, you just can't words cannot describe that when I was standing a few feet away from this thing, it is the mo it is the best looking best-looking LCD screen I've ever seen on a tablet, although it might be tied with the BlackBerry Playbook, which a lot of people say that this has been made by the same design manufacturer as the Playbook and has very similar internals. So you've got something that's got a really powerful processor on it, a really nice screen. It doesn't look like a cheap tablet at all. It's got a nice design. The only major feature that it's that doesn't have that you'll notice right away are, is it doesn't have front or back cameras, because again, media consumption device. It doesn't so, have a mic either. I don't. Uh, I don't believe it does. No. So, okay. Now, all oh, right. So, looking at this thing here, it's kind of like the printer that you buy very cheaply, and then you fill it with your ink, and you spend a lot of money. And Amazon hopes you'll spend a lot of money for their products and services, which is fine. 
we understand where this is going. This is not then so much as a competitor to the iPad, but a competitor, as you say, to the Nook. Now, where does this leave the people in Android land? Okay, because if people who are even considering a 7-inch tablet, which is also a debatable prospect, if they're looking at something that's cheap, wouldn't this also take sales away from any other Android product in that size range? Game over for Vizio. You know, game over for uh, Tough Times Ahead, for uh, Cherry Pal, for Arcos, for all of those uh, tablet makers who are making inexpensive 7-inch tablets uh, that they sell at Costco uh, and that people have been kind of thus far tempted falsely, I should say, tempted to buy because they've not been good products for the most part, uh, but tempted to buy because they were cheap and they just wanted to get their hands on a tablet uh, to give to the kids or because they thought they just wanted a tablet. They never really should have spent that, you know, 250 to $300 on, on an awful garbage tablet with poor performance. But now that you have someone like, like Amazon in the game providing really first-class hardware, it's impossible to justify buying a competitive product unless the competitive product can give you something unique and special that you can't do on the Kindle Fire and that you really want to do. What about the Samsung Galaxy Tabs, the 7-inch models? That's pretty well down before we even got into this product that wasn't doing well. So that's gone. Certainly the BlackBerry Playbook, is that discontinued yet or what? They dropped the price, I believe, to two ninety nine the other day, but uh, that's not <laughs> going to impress anyone. I think that they're really going to take a lot of share from people in the 7-inch. I mean, the day before the Kindle Fire announcement, uh, I was briefed on a new Toshiba 7-inch Toshiba Thrive, and Toshiba wouldn't tell us what their price was. They just said, well, we're targeting under $400, but we'll have to see when we come out with it in early December. Well, I think they're going to have to rethink that if they thought they were going to charge $399 for this when the Kindle Fire is $199. Does the Toshiba have some advantages over the, over the Kindle Fire? A couple. It has cameras. And I'm sure it's much more hackable, and you could sideload apps and use the Google Android Marketplace it's a little hard to, to see a ton of people jumping up and down for that. So I think in order to stand out in this marketplace, you're going to have to bring a tablet to market that's better for web use, that's better for communications or productivity or, or possibly web surfing or gaming than Amazon is because when it comes to the thing that a lot of people want, particularly in a 7-inch tablet, which is you know media consumption, e-reading, movies, music. Uh, the only reason not to get the Kindle Fire is because you don't like the Amazon ecosystem. And in that case, you're probably someone who likes the Apple ecosystem. And then, of course, there's several products out there for you, including the iPod Touch, which really does bump up against the same, in the same price range. So I think this is more of a competitor to the iPod Touch in terms of Apple than to the iPad. Except it only has 8 gigabyte storage. Yeah, I think it operates very much on the presumption that you're going to store a lot of stuff in the cloud. Okay. No, we understand that. But then you can't keep things on there like you can with the iPod Touch. No, it's which... true. And if you're offline, you're going to have a problem. And because and... this doesn't have 3G, it's strictly Wi-Fi. And one of the things I was suggesting in one of my columns here is that it may be fun. You know, you have a tiny device to read your e-books. And I understand, as you say, the screen is gorgeous. And you want to look at a video and everything. But if you're on the road, you have to run for a hotspot. 
And that could be awkward. We'll get into the awkwardness in a moment. <laughs> because he's never awkward. He's Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockwood, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop. Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA. But Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Still ready to save? Then you're ready for the fall super sale at HerbalHealer.com. HerbalHealer.com has been the leader in quality natural supplements since 1988. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of incredible fall savings on all sale products running through October 18th. HerbalHealer.com is proud to offer eFoods Global Products, premium storable foods that are delicious, contain no MSG, no trans fats, no GMO, and have a 25-year shelf life. You do is just add water. To learn more, click the eFoods link on HerbalHealer.com and you can try eFood storable meals for free. And don't forget to click the specials link for even more savings at HerbalHealer.com. Be sure to sign up for our free newsletter. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Hurry, sale ends October 18th. OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up. Optics Planet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags, and tactical gear on the planet. With always low prices, free shipping on most orders, and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN or call 800-332-OPTICS. 
800-332-6784. We want to know, how do you use WebEx? I use WebEx anytime I need to meet with clients. With the new WebEx high-quality video, it's like meeting face-to-face. Connect online and share what's on your computer screen with others. Anytime, anywhere. On their desktop, on their laptop, or mobile device. How do you use WebEx? Go to WebEx.com right now and try WebEx free. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. With Avram Pilch at Laptop Magazine, I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night Out Live. We're looking over the Amazon Kindle Fire. And some might say very fleetingly, well, it's a fire sale because you're selling it for less they can build it for. But then it's just like Gillette razors and blades and printers and all that stuff. So, you know. That's fine. That's fine. So anyway, looking at this here, at where the Amazon Kindle sits, the other question I have is the viability of a 7-inch tablet. Now, Steve Jobs made a big deal of it. You know, you're getting only 45% of the screen real estate of a 9-inch tablet that their user surveys or whatever or their testing show that customers really don't take to 7 inches. They haven't been shown to be successful in the marketplace why seven inches for Amazon? Is that the quickest one they can get to market? No, I think that there's a belief that for e-reading, seven inches is actually a pretty decent size because it's good for one-handed use, and it kind of jives more with the size of a paperback book. And interestingly, when I was talking with Toshiba the other day about their seven-incher, they were going on and on about how their research studies showed that parents, and particularly mothers, uh, and uh, female heads of household were big users of the seven inch of seven inch devices. So there may be a bit of a gender gap uh, there in you know in terms of tablet size uh, use. That there there are people who like the idea of the seven incher because it fits well in a purse, or because it's it's good for it matches the size of of a book. So I think if you're looking at this as like a completely immersive media experience, like you know, you're going to want nine and ten inches. You know, especially if you're into productivity, writing emails, all of that, nine and ten inches. But there's a belief that in the industry anyway that seven inches is good for e-reading. And then the question is, well, is it good enough for video watching that that people are going to buy a lot of videos at this size? And I think for that we'll have to wait and see because the most successful previous seven-inch product really has been the Barnes and Noble No Color which doesn't really play videos. You know, my wife has had a Barnes & Noble Nook Color now for a year. She loves that thing, but it can't do half of the things that the Kindle Fire can do at the same size. Well, certainly from a standpoint of Amazon, would it make sense for them to now come up with a Fire Pro that's 10 inches or 9.7 inches? I don't think that's a bad idea. I think it's a good expansion of the line. I think what they've seen in terms of building upon their success with e-ink, uh, that 7 inches would be a good size. Plus, 7 inches allows them to hit this this really uh, great sub-$200 price point where it's where it feels like you can make an impulse purchase and it's not a major purchase. Uh, so I think it benefits them, perhaps in the long run, to experiment with a larger form factor. 
particularly if they find that people are asking for that to get for video viewing and for gaming, uh, which are obviously a couple of the big advantages that the Kindle Fire has over over other e-readers like the Nook uh, or the original Kindles. Now, let's be fair about this. At the media briefing, the media was shown the product, but they couldn't touch it and test it. I think some of my exhaled carbon dioxide hit it. But... <laughs> but uh, I think I could feel the new plastic smell wafting off of it and into my nostrils. So it's become a part of me now. But uh, You couldn't touch it. I, I was, was not allowed to pick it up and touch it. And that's kind of weird because I know that a lot of times when Apple's had media events for new devices, they will take the media, shuffle them into another room and say, okay, you can play with it for a short time. Yeah, this event reminded me more of uh, when HTC came out with uh, – their tablet and Mobile World Congress in Spain uh, in February, where they had this really interesting uh, HTC Flyer tablet, which you could write on with a pen, and they wouldn't let anybody touch it. And then they had, you know, periodically, like a few times a day, they would take it out from under glass and have a trained demo person touch it because it wasn't ready yet and they didn't want you to encounter errors. And there's no question that I'm sure if they handed us one of those tablets and, and let us, uh, you know, run away with it, that uh, we would have found things wrong with it, but they have a month, a month and a half to get it right, which doesn't seem like very long. It uh, sounds so, like it's finger-crossing time. Uh, you know, they need. I think they needed to have this event now in order to build the hype up and start the pre-orders. And also uh, Apple's having their event next week, so you won't remember anything that happens after that in the iPhone fever. That's true. They needed they needed to kind of get out and get out in front of Apple. So you know, look, what I saw them demo looked fine. I couldn't tell from their demonstration, uh, you know, what uh, wasn't working. Although I will say this, they were a little reticent about loading all kinds of strange websites uh, using the using the bundled Silk browser. The sites that they loaded for us were ones that they had in their cache. So I would have liked to have been able to say to them, hey, could you go to like laptopmag.com, which I bet you haven't been to before uh, on that tablet over there, and let's see how fast it loads. Uh, but to be fair, Wi-Fi is always spotty at events like this. So if it didn't load, is it the fault of the tablet or is it the fault of the software or is it the fault of the Wi-Fi connection in the, uh, in the demo hall? Let's talk about the new scheme they're using to load web pages. Now, they're using a WebKit browser just like Google Chrome or Apple Safari, but they've added a new wrinkle. But Opera's done this before, which is to run content through an intermediary server for faster processing. Yeah, so anytime you call a website, it checks, out, it checks on Amazon's massive cloud service EC2 uh, where it's been collecting uh, data from other people who may have visited the same website before, uh, and it starts to... It, it's able to serve it to you all from EC2 rather than serving it to you from 50 different websites. So therefore, you're maintaining perhaps a single connection or just a couple of connections to the server instead of you know 50 because as, as a lot of your listeners probably know, when you visit a modern website, uh, you're downloading stuff from a lot of different servers across the Internet. The ads on the page, the JavaScripts on the page, 
all of them are, are, are located in different places. And so your computer is forced to go out and make a lot of little calls. And each one of those little calls slows it down. So what if there was a big server somewhere that went out, prefetched all that for you, and then sent it to you as one package? Well, that would be faster and that would be better. But yes, we have seen this attempted before by other vendors. For example, Skyfire browser does it, uh, and you can get that on on um, Android. And I believe there's a version for iOS. Yes, there is. Um, and, but it's not been a dramatic improvement in those cases. So, you know, I'm skeptical, but I I can't wait to try it out and see if it actually does improve the web browsing experience. The only way to really tell to be fair, is not even to take just to take a Kindle Fire tablet, visit a website and say, is this fast or slow? Because that's very subjective. You really need to test. I mean, as soon as I get the Kindle Fire browser, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take a similar uh, tablet. Perhaps I'll have a Toshiba Thrive or something like that, a similar dual-core uh, tablet. I'm going to visit the same exact sites at the same exact time on both of these devices using uh, you know, the Silk browser on the Kindle Fire and using the standard uh, Android browser on the other tablet, whatever that is, and I'm going to time it over and over again, and then we'll see for sure is there a tangible benefit? Because just looking at it and saying is this fast or slow, eh, could be very subjective. You, the internet could be having a good day that day, <laughs> or then some. We have to see how that's going to work out. So, in general, you think this is going to be a pretty hot ticket for this holiday season? I think it is because. As one of my fellow reporters uh, in the press area said, uh, I believe it was someone from Popular Science, uh, said, um, this is right at the price point where you don't have to ask your spouse for permission to buy. Uh, Speak of your spouse, okay? (laughs) You see, my spouse would only say iPad. She loves her iPad, and you can't take it from her. Literally, I say, i got to do a software update. I've got to sync something. No, 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 no. Do it tomorrow. Don't do it now. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com We want to know, how do you use WebEx? Last week, I started a meeting on my office computer, but had to go across town for another meeting. So Mike drove, and I was able to finish my WebEx meeting using the WebEx app on my smartphone. This is how you do business. Connect online and share what's on your computer screen with others. Anytime, anywhere. On their desktop, on their laptop, or mobile device. Go to WebEx.com right now and try WebEx free. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X dot com. Jason Lewis here. We talk daily about all the crazy stuff happening around the world. Concerns with the economy, job loss, and natural disasters, just to name a few. Let me ask you, what are you doing to be prepared? How will you provide for your family in an emergency? Well, for my preparation, I recommend WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious, ready-made, freeze-dry meals that carry a 25-year shelf life, and you prepare them in minutes by simply adding water. Wise Food Storage entrees are packaged in individual metal mylar pouches, then stored in convenient grab-and-go plastic containers for freshness and easy transport. Go to wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample. And for a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get free shipping on any order. Call 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-366-3947 or visit wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com, gourmet emergency food at the best price. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use EscapeHarassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape Harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. This is the last segment on the show this week. We've covered a lot of ground. Meg Whitman is CEO of HP now after failing to become the governor or the governor's replacement. <laughs> you know, the new governor. You know, it's like the Who song. You know, new, same as the old, and of course we get the old governor back in there in California. Those people who are in California now are going to scream at me over even talking politics on the show. But we are on the GCN network, and politics is, you know, pretty popular there. Okay, looking at Apple's standpoint, seeing the Kindle Fire, 
non-factor to them in their sales? I think they should be somewhat concerned in terms of their iPod sales. And, you know, it could get more people into Amazon's ecosystem, which is ultimately bad for Apple, which is trying to push, obviously, iTunes. So I think this does put a little pressure, pressure on Apple to maybe cut prices a little bit, consider maybe if they see success here coming out with either what they would call a big iPod or a small iPad to get to get into a lower price point. But Apple has never been one to be kind of to, to really take price pressure seriously. They were always willing to charge people a little bit more for a premium product. And considering the ecosystem of apps behind the i behind the iPad and considering the iPad's, you know, kind of spotless reputation as being the tablet to have, I think that the worst that could happen to Apple is that it becomes kind of a two-tablet race here, and there's sort of people who want sort of the media consumption, small tablet that they get from Amazon, and people who want the full, quote-unquote, full tablet experience where they can run all kinds of more robust apps on the bigger screen and on iOS, and they, they, they go for the iPad. I don't think it's ultimately bad, too bad of a news for Apple, as bad as it is for other Android makers and for other you know, small and media consumption tablet makers. I mean, it's the kind of device you could almost buy that and still have an iPad. Yeah, I think I think you might. I mean, there they are don't people exist apart. They, you know, they're people who have Kindles because they yeah. want the sharper reading. They have Kindles and they have iPads. Yep, very uh, very likely scenario. It becomes another gadget. I think certainly Barnes and Noble would be afraid. They are afraid. They uh, Barnes and Noble really ought to be afraid, and they made a very tepid move yesterday. They took $25 off the price of their $250 Nook if you sign up for a $25 membership. I don't think that's going to cut it. That was very <laughs> tepid. They should have made it 50 Yeah, No joke. So you can spend $25 on a membership card to get $25 off. Still, my wife, who's a big Barnes & Noble fan and loves her Nook, was not really swayed. She said, look, I like the book selection uh, at Barnes & Noble, and I just want this device for reading, not for not for watching movies. So I think there are people who are in the Barnes & Noble system who will stick with them, but I don't think they're going to win any converts this way. So at this point, of course, we're still looking at the value of the 7-inch tablet in Apple's parlance because the kind of products Apple produces, a general-purpose tablet, they don't see 7 inches as working. Now, you reviewed this tablet from Lenovo. This is an Android tablet or what? The ThinkPad tablet is the first Android business tablet. This what makes a business tablet as opposed to a tablet tablet? <laughs> ah, so two things. One is uh, security manageability stuff that an IT department would want. Uh, so the ThinkPad tablet has all of the software on it that allows for your IT department to come in and do a remote wipe of your device if you lose it, to encrypt the data on it, so to change the password on it, to monitor it if somebody tries to, you know, use a password on it and, can't, and fails three times or, or something like that. They can have the device brick. Uh, so there's a lot of that kind of IT stuff on it that they can use to secure the device to keep, uh, to keep the data on it uh, from being stolen by, by prying eyes. And there's a Lenovo app store on there where if your business uh, is this ambitious, they can actually limit what apps you can download and they can have like a custom little app store that says, okay, you can download QuickOffice and you can download 
these three apps and that's it. That's all of our, our IT department wants to let you have. So that kind of level of like paranoid control that a lot of business IT departments want, they can get in the they can get in the ThinkPad tablet and they couldn't get it before. The other There thing, are controls you have of course on an iPad, aren't there? I mean, you can do some of that stuff, but this, you know, you can get third-party apps to do some of that some of that kind of stuff, but this is all like built in and heavily integrated into the ThinkPad tablet and certainly it's the first Android tablet we've seen that really takes that kind of business level security seriously and and integrates it right out of the box. Uh, but I think the other really key feature is the pen and the note-taking possibility, which is something that even if you're not a business person uh, and you're not you know paranoid about security, that you would really want to have because it, unlike the HTC Flyer, which came with an active pen and was pretty crappy, the 10-inch uh, ThinkPad tablet really has great pen support and a really robust note-taking app on it that tra- that transfers your chicken scratch handwriting into into ASCII text that you can then export. So this would be good for a doctor's office, maybe. It would. Yes. It would be excellent. As long as the doctor writes print, not cursive. We found well, cursive was a problem. Okay. Well, that's true with any one of these tablets. That's true with the original Newton message pad back in the 90s. I tried one of the first ones with my chicken scratches. I'm good at chicken scratches. I never made it as a doctor because I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV. Chicken scratches I can do well. Uh, but me too. I didn't read it, sure. But you have doctors in your family, right? No. Uh, yeah, one. But her handwriting's better than mine. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So basically, this is not a consumer-level tablet. This is something for the businesses. They'll buy you know, a box of 10,000 of them or something like that, and they'll give them out to employees for specific business purposes, maybe the construction person on a site. It's not something you're going to buy in your Best Buy or your Walmart. No, you could. I mean, I don't know if Best Buy and Walmart will put it on the shelf, but my recommendation, having used the product, is it starts at four sixty nine on Lenovo.com, so it's within the price range of uh, you know of, of similarly priced competitors. Although you need to spend the thirty dollars to get the pen, and you really should. So really, we're talking about four ninety nine to get it. You know, to get a, the complete ThinkPad tablet with the pen. There's no reason why anyone shouldn't buy this, particularly if you need to do note taking or drawing on your device. I mean, frankly. I, I wish that they would improve the note-taking software that it comes with a bit, but this is something that's very tempting for me to say buy and take with me uh, to my Chinese language class so I can sit there and take notes on it and then, and then catch, up, catch up on them later digitally. Uh, so I think this could be a good device for students. Yes, it's you know, marketed toward business, but that doesn't mean that other people can't use it. What about just downloading the generic Android apps, can you do that, or is that restricted, or it depends on the IT management's policies? Unless you're, I mean, out of the box, it's not restricted. It comes with a Google Marketplace, and then it comes with Lenovo's App Store, which, frankly, you know, is nice, but it's not, you know, it's not really any different than, uh, you know, any of the other third-party app stores, except for the security purposes. So, you know, yes, there are these features there for the IT department, which make it unique, but then there are things on this device that I think anybody would love, uh, whether they're using it for professional work or not. And, you know, those are things like uh, like having the full-size USB port on it so you can plug in a USB flash drive and copy files directly from there. 
There's the keyboard dock, which is the best keyboard dock that we've ever used because it's like a ThinkPad notebook keyboard, and that's a $100 option. And then there's the, the Gorilla Glass on it, which is scratch-resistant, uh, so really nice. And then there's just the pen support, which is something I think that can really differentiate any competitor from a tablet like the iPad, which doesn't do active stylus. Tell you what, let me ask you, Avram Pilch, where do we find more of the things that you write about? So you can check out my weekly Geeks Geek column at laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek. Of course, all of our wonderful coverage of tablets, smartphones, and notebooks at laptopmag.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at @geekinchief. And you can find us at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. On Twitter, we are TechNightOwl. The forum is forum.technightowl.com. Our other radio show about UFOs, things that go bump in the night, and Bigfoot this weekend at the Paracast at Paracast.com. A special thank you to Avram Pilch. Thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.